This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening in to this newest podcast of VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. All right, a new show, a new podcast, back at the microphone again. Always good to be here. So, in tonight's broadcast, a few things to get to first, the usual business. And then after that, I'll talk about whatever there is to talk about for as long as I wind up talking about it. For those of you watching the program right now on YouTube, please turn your attention to the screen as I am featuring three pieces of fan art. And, of course, being that good folks out there created these pieces of fan art, then the very least I can do is give credit where credit is due. The first piece of fan art goes out to a listener whose work can be found on Instagram at the following profile. And I'll just spell it out because I'll probably butcher it however I try to say it. A-D-O-B-O-N-G-S-I-T-A-W I imagine that would go something like Adobongsitaw, but again, that's A-D-O-B-O-N-G-S-I-T-A-W. You could also find more work at artstation.com slash A-D-O-B-O-N-G-S-I-O-M-A-I. Slightly different there. URLs are all in the description. The second piece of fan art goes out to a listener who goes by the name Burning Pillow. And the third and final piece of fan art goes out to a listener whose work can be found on Instagram at The Mean Sheets. If you are feeling artistically inclined and you would like to submit a piece of fan art, all you have to do is have fun with it, make a piece, any piece, and uh, then send it to me via email. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Please let me know how you would like to be credited, be that with a name, or if you would like me to link a social media profile, a website where more of your work can be found, etc. If you'd like to remain anonymous, just let me know. I happily will keep you anonymous if you wish. If you do not provide any specific instruction as to how you would like to be credited, then by default you will be kept anonymous, as I like to abide by the better safe than sorry approach. Next, I want to get into a short message from a sponsor or two to help keep this broadcast going, so please give them your attention. Interested in a custom art piece? Whether you're looking to commemorate a special occasion, find the perfect gift for a loved one, or just fill that empty space on your wall, consider checking out Multimedia on Etsy. That's M-U-L-T-E-Y-E media on Etsy.com. Multimedia's independent artist is open for commissions in a variety of styles and mediums, ranging from digital art and photo manipulation to traditional paintings, 
drawings, and collage. Browse the eclectic collection of pre-made designs or order a piece that's utterly unique and completely customizable by you. Some of the offerings at Multimedia include sketched or painted portraits of your beloved pet, personalized coloring pages for use at your upcoming special event, expressive stylized cartoon portraits, including some based on this very broadcast, custom collages with themes of your choosing, as well as vibrant poster prints, wall art, and phone cases for a touch of eccentricity in your home or in your pocket. Whether your idea is hyper-specific or you're looking to be surprised, all you have to do is send a message and our artist will be happy to work with you to create a custom listing that suits your needs. Pay a visit to Multimedia, that's M-U-L-T-E-Y-E, Media on Etsy. No spaces there, that again is M-U-L-T-E-Y-E-M-E-D-I-A, again on Etsy, also available on Facebook under the same name. Creators by Moonlight is an inspirational podcast featuring new and underrated content creators. The show's storytelling format allows the guest to tell their story with minimal interruption. It's perfect for nighttime listening. After VORW, check out Creators by Moonlight. And finally, on the subject of finances, if you enjoy this show, you want to hear more of it, you want to support it, any contributions are always welcome via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon, that's patreon.com slash the report of the week. If you sign up to the Patreon, you will be able to access the radio show that I do, which is totally different from this. You do not hear it on YouTube. It's not there. You could access that on demand, hundreds and hundreds of hours, possibly thousands at this point, of the radio show. I do two new radio shows a week, every week. That's two additional hours of content. I'll talk about plenty of things on that radio show that I prefer not to talk about here. Just a little benefit. It's a way to try to give back. You help support everything. You help keep everything going. It's the very least I can do. Now with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is VORW. It's around 4 a.m. Not quite. 3.55 a.m. And I've been sitting here debating to myself whether or not uh, I even want to talk about anything tonight or if I want to go straight into the emails. And quite frankly, I can't really make up my mind. You know, sometimes... Can you talk about something? Sure. Should you? Or do you want to? That's a totally different thing altogether. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot that I could talk about, but do I even really want to? give you my answer. The answer is no, I don't. I really don't want to. You know, there's, there's a lot that I could, but, uh, nah, 
I just don't want to. So I'm not going to talk about anything today. Let's just go right into the uh, fan mail segment then. If you have any questions, comments, pieces of feedback, topic suggestions, this is an open forum at this point. So you could ask me or share whatever you'd like. And I'll try my best to get to it on air in the next show. You could always reach out to me with any questions, comments, topic suggestions, pieces of feedback. I should mention right off the bat before getting into the emails. Sorry, by the way, in regards to the show and uh, perhaps as some have uh, messaged me the punctuality or lack thereof. I wish I could just make up some sort of excuse and uh, make it sound perhaps a bit better than it is, but the simple fact of the matter, and I guess I'll just I'll, I'll tell it like it is whether or not it costs me, uh, the motivation to do this just hasn't, uh, hasn't really been there, uh, which is why this one took a while. Uh, I don't know, there's just... Uh, it's not to say I don't like doing this, it's just it's, there hasn't been any drive to do it. Uh, for better or for worse, make of that what you will, but that's just the, uh, the truth. But nonetheless, I looked at the calendar and I said, I guess I should just get myself to the microphone and uh, go ahead with it. And uh, that precisely is what I'm doing now, but... There's no good excuse. There's no reason. There's the. There's no motivation. I I don't know why, but that's the. That's where it stands. But nonetheless, I guess there still is a little bit of motivation because, here I am nonetheless. All right. This first email. I'm not going to read the entire thing, uh, mostly because some of the information, the sender thereof. I'll, I'll omit, but uh, I'll offer a few thoughts on it nonetheless, because it's something that I do remember and uh, do uh, find interesting. But uh, I'll just offer a couple generic comments. Mostly, I know you just wanted to send me something, so I, I get it. But uh, I'll partially get to this. So it comes in from Jason, and uh, the gist of the email, paraphrasing, essentially reads, Do you remember Orca Man? I remember in the early days of your VORW broadcasts, he would write to you all the time. Then, over time, he gradually fell away. Have you heard anything from him recently? So thank you, Jason. It's good to hear from you. I know you've been a regular listener yourself, and I know you've been with the channel a while, so thanks for uh, sticking with it all these years as both a viewer and a listener. <laughs> yes, I remember Orca Man. He is uh, probably, at least for some listeners, uh, one of the most memorable correspondents uh, this show ever had mostly because of his uh, extremely unique uh, writing style and uh, extremely unique uh, extremely unique content of his messages. I can't say that, uh, despite obviously being the program that he wrote to and uh, corresponded with, I can't say that I really know all that much about him. 
Uh, really, the extent of it is what he sent me, I read, and that's all that there is to it. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, I've been doing this show uh, not quite for a decade, but for nine years at this point, and uh, the mailbag segment has always been a regular feature. Uh, from the very start, I've welcomed listener correspondence, and uh, I would read and respond to whatever would come in. And uh, over the years, of course, many, many people have wrote in. Uh, there was a time, obviously this feature doesn't exist anymore, but YouTube had a message system. And uh, for a while, that's just what I used. I said, just send me a message on YouTube, and I'll read it. Uh, eventually, I switched to email, and I would operate the two in conjunction. I would say, all right, you could send in a message on YouTube or an email, and then eventually I switched to email only, and obviously because YouTube got rid of the message system, so there really wasn't a choice, uh, eventually. So, originally he started uh, messaging on YouTube. That was the primary means upon which he would. Uh, I just started getting these messages from uh, a guy who would sign off as Orca Man. And uh, there's nothing sinister about this. Uh, there was, you know, so it's not like this is some sort of creepy thing. It was highly amusing, actually. But uh, he would just write in these, uh, in a very, again, unique, distinct style, uh, these almost nonsensical messages with uh, an equally nonsensical sort of storyline there, too. Uh, just no context, totally out of the blue, but I would just roll with it, and I would just read it because, I mean, what the heck, uh, it livened things up a little bit, and I'd often uh, sarcastically retort, but uh, as far as I see it, it was mere banter, and uh, nothing more, and uh, an enjoyable time had by all, so it was like, I got a kick out of it, so did uh, many listeners, again, obviously those who uh, were listeners at the time remember him, and uh, he was indeed a regular listener, again, primarily uh, sending the correspondence on YouTube. I think was most active in 2014, but then again, that's when I was most active, I had way more energy then, and I was able to do more programs, and uh, it was a very regular thing, but I never knew who he was, you know, just a worker man. Eventually, as the show continued, there was sole correspondence from him through 2015 and even 2016, eventually uh, moving to email, as that eventually at the time became the sole means to correspond with the program. I know there was a time in, like, 2016, there was someone else who went by the name Dragon Man, uh, who I believe had similar messages, but I don't know if that was actually Orca Man operating under an alias, or if that was a different uh, person, like a copycat of sorts, because it wasn't very long-lived. Uh, I did some searching, and the last I ever heard from Orca Man 
was in early 2020. Uh, same style as ever, uh, but that was that. That was the last time, again, I ever heard from Orca Man. So, early 2020. Uh, but certainly that's a listener right there that I'll never forget. And uh, again, a lot of the long-time listeners never will either, but... Uh, no, it never, um, never bothered me. And I was always under the impression that Orca Man was a very eccentric character and uh, not a troll or anything, but heck, it was so original. What do I even care? It's like, like I said, it livened everything up and no one uh, really had any objection. So, and, you know, there were like one or two listeners in 2014, I remember, that said, oh, you know, don't, um, you shouldn't respond to him, you shouldn't cater to this, etc. But I thought, you know, what the heck, there's really no harm being done from this, so I'll, you know, keep it up, obviously, within reason. It's not like he was dominating the show or anything. It's not like it was the Orca Man hour. It was just very uh, unique feedback that periodically came in. So, hope that uh, provided a little clarity. Again, I really don't know much about it myself, so that's uh, really the extent of what I even know. And Josh is checking in, longtime fan of the YouTube channel as well as the podcast. I found great joy in using your long-format podcasts and the radio shows to relax and unwind after long days of making a living in this crazy world. Please continue to produce these gems. You certainly are a natural-born broadcaster, and do a fantastic job. Well, thank you, Josh. Continuing. My question comes after recently re-watching the CNN Money video that featured you. In the piece, it is mentioned at the time you were a college student, and I would like to know what you chose to study in college and if you graduated, and did you enjoy your college experience. Any comments and reflections you had on your collegiate days would certainly be of interest to me. Personally, I graduated this spring with a BS in finance, and I had a great experience at a major university here in Kentucky. It took me a couple of extra years to graduate, as I changed my major a few times and struggled some during the pandemic. However, I believe through the power of prayer, I was able to overcome these difficulties. I highly recommend the college experience, as I thoroughly enjoyed learning new ideas, meeting new friends, and moving away from home. So it was certainly worth it for me. Hope you and everyone listening has a fantastic day. Well, thank you, Josh, again for your your question and your kind words of support. So that's a correct observation, yes, during the uh, CNN Money interview that I did back in 2016, I did mention college, and uh, I was a student at the time. I will say, I did not graduate. So people can say what they want about me and uh, all of that. Uh, But again, I never claim to be a genius either. I say what I say. Uh, As I say it, my opinions are my own. But again, I never pretend to know everything. And uh, 
really it had to do with the fact that the YouTube channel uh, both started to gain traction, uh, the fact that I was going through some life problems at the time as well that really took away from uh, being able to focus on any studies, and at the same time a general sense of directionless uh, that I had as well. And I made the choice, taking everything into account, uh, to take a bit of a gamble, but to uh, at first take a break, focus on the YouTube, see what happens, and then take it from there. But being that uh, the YouTube channel uh, was able to uh, essentially thrive, uh, then I've, you know, I've been able to go from there. Obviously, uh, college is one of those things that it's, uh, you know, it's right for a lot of people. Again, there's a lot of instances where you have to have that piece of paper to uh, even be uh, considered employable in many circumstances. But, uh, you know, I really don't believe that anyone is the scum of the earth. If they've uh, taken a break, if they dropped out, uh, or if they decided it's just not for them and they uh, prefer to pursue a different lifestyle. That's, you know, there's some people that, again, I believe conditioned, perhaps, to think that you are uh, trash if you don't, but uh, I don't see it that way. You know, if you want to look, harshly speaking, I know, at something that might be worthless trash, uh, you could say that about a lot of degrees, except for the fact that uh, you're going to find yourself in a, a lot of debt as well, perhaps. But, uh, again, you know, I understand that there has to be a degree of competency for certain uh, undertakings. I get that. So, uh, it's a way. I get it. I understand why. But I just don't think it's something that everyone should be forced into. And there's plenty of people who I think can... Uh, have a, a fruitful, successful, and uh, fulfilling life without going. Now, that's not to say again that, oh, I just, I never went, or this or that. Uh, I was there, I had many classes under my belt, and uh, I was also able to get a feel for things. And it was helpful in that way. So, I was going to go into broadcasting, but it was through, actually, the... Uh, college experience that I was able to determine that at least formal broadcasting, uh, to the extent that it was taught there, wasn't for me. Now, I should add, uh, radio broadcasting was not an emphasis. It was a bit of a part, but a lot of it involved production and uh, screen time as well. But I took uh, a number of classes. I took uh, various public speaking classes. I took various communications classes. I took classes in production, uh, both audio, but especially, again, visual. I took uh, television production classes and uh, broadcast journalism classes, a number of those, as well as some of the other, you know, basic stuff, uh, writing and literature, mathematics. Uh, I did take some criminal justice classes as well, because that had always been an interest, as well as history. 
But uh, again, it was through especially those television classes. The production aspect wasn't too bad. It was, it could be nerve-wracking at times because it was very fast-paced and there was a whole lot that you had to take into account at the time very quickly. But it wasn't bad. The problem, though, was, number one, the amount of energy needed to keep up with all of this was beyond my uh, capability. And secondly, and I realized this really quick, you need to be an extrovert to thrive in this, and I am not. So I was able to realize that, at least, but it just, I realized that's not for me. So I do this, you know, on my own. I do it the way I, I want to do it, in a way that I'm able to do it, but, you know, it provided some insight in that regard. Each class, of course, was different. Each professor had a different style, as we know. Uh, there are some professors that might be a bit old school and will just, they're there to teach the lesson and uh, actually stick to the subject matter. Uh, but there are other individuals, I remember this distinctly, uh, that, yeah, what they say about college is true sometimes, that you'll get some professors that seem more interested in... Uh, imparting their beliefs on you and uh, trying to make you feel certain ways about certain things, then they are trying to uh, enrich you with any sort of curriculum. And that's a shame. I really, you know, I think there's other places where that sort of stuff belongs, but I, I always felt anyway that there needs to be a reasonable line drawn between, you know, education and, uh, any sort of pontificating, at least excessively. It's like, I thought this was supposed to be a class about literature and writing, not a class to try to tell you uh, how you should vote or uh, how you should feel about this politician or that or whatever. But it's, you know, it is what it is. I just, you'd think a higher education institution would be better than that. Uh, but, you know, that's how it is everywhere. But, you know, you just try to exercise common sense. I try to stay out of a lot of that stuff, read the room. Because, you know, otherwise it'll just come around and, and bite you. You'll, it just won't help you any. I remember once in the public speaking class, there was <laughs> this one student as a... And I don't know if he was doing this, if he was just brazen or if he just couldn't read the room, where well, I remember he, uh, his final speech was in regards to immigration, and his whole argument was essentially diametrically opposed to the obvious views of the professor, and he did not have a friendly room, I'll tell you that. And uh, the professor was directly combative with him, even though he spoke eloquently and fluently. You know, it was more of a, a political fight, if you will, than anything else. Now, then again, you could, you, know, you could spin it a couple ways. Some people wouldn't have a problem with that. They'd say, yeah, it is part of the learning experience, and uh, they're providing insightful... Uh, perspective on social issues. 
There are other people that might say shouldn't be for the professor to share. There are opinions like this that have nothing to do with the subject matter of the class. And then other people still could say, well, this guy knew what he was getting into, and he knew that he might not have a friendly audience, so he got what was coming. But again, every class was different, and, uh, you know, some folks were more nuanced than others, and I not really have a problem with that. Everyone could have their opinions, but uh, it was just the in-your-face stuff, you know, and again, I mostly I stayed on the sidelines for that. As far as my peers were concerned, uh, I was mostly just a loner, kept to myself. I didn't have any friends. I sure didn't do the Greek life, as they call it. So I wasn't... I didn't even live there. I uh, would commute there every day, or whenever I had classes. And, uh, yeah, it's not like I was a frat boy or something. Can you even imagine that? Me as a, a frat boy? So it's not like you would be finding me uh, totally blacked out drunk laying in the bathtub at uh, 4 a.m. Or, or something. So I didn't do any of that. I, I mostly was just there to take the classes and uh, then go home immediately thereafter. I really didn't linger on any uh, they had a radio station that I at first was curious about, but then I realized it was just online only, and uh, my interest kind of went away after that. I was hoping it would have been terrestrial broadcast, but it wasn't. And again, at the time, no one gave me any problems. No one talked to me, you know, so it was very... Uh, you know, matter of fact, again, I was there for the class, and I'd go home after that. <laughs> I wore the suits, I did. I would usually go there in a... always a full suit, uh, sometimes a three-piece suit, you know, I'd have a briefcase I would carry around, and uh, if it was cold, I'd wear a long black overcoat. If it was rainy, I'd wear a tan trench coat, but uh, I always wore what essentially you'd expect me to wear. And again, no one gave me any uh, problems. I figure people must have thought, oh, must have a job or something and, uh, you know, has to do that afterward or whatever. Uh, later on, about a year or two ago, and it's like, it wouldn't surprise me if this were true, and it wouldn't surprise me if this is just one of those kinds of people, because, you know, there are some people out there who are jerks, and they'll do these sorts of things even as a way of either a subtle attack or a form of psychological uh, manipulation or abuse or whatever. Who knows? Where it's like, they'll say it'll be a backhanded compliment, and... Uh, I'll give the example, and it'll kind of speak for itself. There was someone who uh, said about a year or two ago, Oh, yeah, I remember I went to college with Review Bra, and I didn't know that he did the YouTube. I didn't even uh, know what he did in life, but I remember in uh, my text groups, we would all talk about what a loser and a creep and a weirdo he is, but I never thought he was that. <laughs> it's like, so you see what I mean? It's like, 
Yeah, we were all saying how much of a worthless loser and creep you are, but I didn't think you were that. It's like, so, maybe he's just speaking the truth. It wouldn't surprise me, knowing how people are. I believe it. Uh, I'm sure many, many things have been said about me behind my back, and I accept it, but it could also be one of those times where the person is just kind of saying that to be a jerk. And then, you know, after all that, eventually said, oh, but, you know, I'm uh, glad the YouTube took off, and uh, it's great to see. And so I thought to myself, oh, gee, thanks. And that was that. Who knows, maybe the person didn't have the best communication. I don't know. There were two emails that actually came in, and I don't often do this, but when they're so similar, I suppose, it's just something that I'll, I'll think of, essentially, how to uh, handle it. Because two messages came through. Of course, both of them different, i.e. they were from different people, and obviously had their differences, so it's not as though they were the first, um... So this sort of situation, it happens from time to time, and I always try to think to myself how to, I suppose, deal with it, because... Occasionally, I will get multiple emails that are so similar in nature, even though they're obviously from different people, and I think, right, what should I do? Should I just respond to them individually or collectively? In this case, I will do so collectively, and I, I just preface this by saying it's not because, oh, I just don't want to deal with this, or, oh, uh, your email isn't important, etc. It's just, I would be giving the same answer to both of them, and uh, it would just be redundant, if that makes any sense. So, paraphrasing, because they both have their, you know, specificities, but they would, uh, again, yield the same answer. And I will say this. This goes out to Lucas, who uh, checked in, and also to an anonymous listener. Disappointingly, after all of this sort of preface, my response is not going to be, I, I don't think, what uh, you were hoping for. And... That's not, I, I know that's not a fun feeling, <clears throat> right? If you're going through something and you're looking for advice or insight, and then you're told, I can't help you, or I don't know, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, it's disappointing, I understand. I've had those situations myself. But, uh, the reason why I say that is because I'm in the same situation. That's why I can't offer any assistance, because I, I have the same problem, and uh, I don't know how to get out of it. So I, I really just don't, uh, I don't know what to say. You both wrote in, and again, paraphrasing, 
I'm feeling lost in life, right? I don't really know what to do with my life. I don't know what sort of path there is ahead of me in life. Time obviously keeps ticking away, but things just aren't... Nothing's really coming together. Things aren't making sense. It doesn't feel like, oh, I should do this or that. You know, it's like there's no established path, right? There might be certain things that, all right, I guess I have to do this or that, but it's like, is that what I really want to do in life? Is that what I want to do with my time? And then you think, well, what do, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to be in life? And there's no answer. And it's like, you'll look at other people, you'll think to yourself, how could they have things so figured out? How could they be so sure of themselves and their life situation, and they make it seem so easy, yet here I am, and I'm just utterly lost. So I got two emails like that, again, both with, uh, you know, differing, certain differing aspects, but the key question is the same. Two folks just asked, well, I'm feeling lost in life, and uh, have you any advice? I don't. I I wish I did, and I wish I didn't have to say it in those harsh terms. I don't. I have no advice, because that's how I feel, too. Now, some people might think, boy, that's real rich coming from the person who uh, sits there and does the YouTube for a living. That's true. That's true. If it weren't for this YouTube channel in this podcast and radio show, I, I do not know, I literally do not know what I would be doing with my life. I have no answer. I, I still don't know. I've pondered this years and years and years, and it hasn't gotten any clearer, hasn't gotten any easier, and uh, I am none the wiser. None whatsoever. You have people that say, oh, it'll emerge in time. Well, it hasn't for me. Thanks to pure luck, I've been able to find something that I can say, okay, this is what I do with my life. But aside from that, if it weren't for that pure luck, I I haven't an answer. I would be just as lost. Something I've wondered through middle school, high school, the time I spent in college, after that, I, I haven't gotten any more definitive a response. The only thing I ever learned uh, through some college is the one thing that I thought maybe I could do, I realized, no, I don't want to do that. I wish there were something I could say to help you out, but how can I say something when I'm in the same situation? I, I just don't know. All I can say is that I hope that either just through dumb luck, coincidence, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it, that something just clicks one day and uh, it all starts making sense. I just sincerely hope that because that lost feeling, it's no fun, of course. It's frustrating. It could be almost helpless and hopeless, and, uh, and I, I don't know how to, uh, 
I just don't know. I don't know, because the only reason that I'm not in that situation, again, is by pure luck. If it weren't for everything that happened precisely as it did, I'd be in the same spot. There's nothing I can say that, oh yeah, just do this and this, and think about this, and do this thought exercise, etc. I I don't know. The only thing that I could perhaps think is just, I don't know, think about expectations and uh, obligations, perhaps, you know, think in terms of your situation. Do I feel confined uh, because of a sense of obligation? Because of, by that I mean, well, my family wants me to pursue this, um, this pathway, so if I don't become a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, or a banker, or something, uh, then they're going to be disappointed in me, so I have to do this. Is that something that might be uh, stifling things, perhaps? If you removed that sort of sense of obligation, would things get easier? It's like, let's say, I'm just using this as an example, let's say being a truck driver legitimately appeals to you. And it's like, yeah, that seems like it could be pretty pretty cool. I uh, enjoy driving. I can uh, I can go through all that and get the certification and uh, might not be the richest person in the world, but uh, I think I'd actually enjoy this and it would give me a sense of uh, fulfillment in life. But my parents want me to be a six to seven figure earning white-collar worker and not a trucker. It's like, is that something that you're dealing with? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had a better answer. It's like, maybe it would have been better if I just uh, skipped those two emails and then at least you could think, well, maybe he just didn't get to them because he's too busy. Might be a better feeling than to have them addressed and pretty much say, I can't help you, I don't know. But, you know, I would feel bad otherwise. I wish I could be of more help, and I'm afraid I can't be. This might sound stupid, but, you know, I would advise, I'm sure you have, but just keep trying. You know, Google things like what to do if I'm feeling directionless in life, and uh, see if anything comes up that maybe could be of any help. I don't know. I just hope things get better for you. Ethan is just checking in with a short comment, said, Enjoyed the recent podcast, and I'm eagerly awaiting the next shortwave broadcast. So thanks, Ethan, for your kind words there. (laughs) This listener writes, I was hurt. Hello, review bra. You hurt me when I was listening to you, and you said something like 80% of us listeners are asleep right now. How are you hurt by that, exactly, when I'm just telling it like it is? That's the truth. You could, you could, (laughs) you could even just look online and you'll see thing after thing where uh, people say, yeah, I was, I listened to this to uh, fall asleep, etc., etc. So, and I get email after email about that too, and I, I see comment after comment. Uh, So how is there anything false about that? 
If anything, you should be proud. You should say, well, I'm in the 20% uh, that was up to actually hear that. You were the only person that even caught that remark. So I, th I think you should be giving yourself a pat on the back and you should be saying, I'm one of the few uh, that was even awake and coherent to be uh, uh, be listening to, to hear that. So there's no reason to feel hurt. Uh, if anything, you know, think about it this way. How would you feel if you did a show only to have most of your audience be so bored by it uh, that they literally sleep through the whole thing? It's like, how would that make you feel? Now me, I don't care, but I will state the facts. And uh, the facts are what they are. But there's no reason to feel hurt. Again, you are, uh, I'd say be, and I say this genuinely, not even sarcastically, be proud. You, you were one of the few that even uh, picked up on that. So I say that sincerely. Uh, think about it this way. You're part of the 20% that actually heard that, or less perhaps. So there's no offense meant by that. And I stand completely by what I said. <laughs> this is a unique question. I don't know if it's ever been asked before, but I'll answer it. Marigold in Springfield, Illinois writes, I recently purchased an expensive gaming chair from the company Fantasy Lab. Despite the pain of assembling it, I found it to be incredibly comfortable. Easily one of the best purchases I've made in recent years. I wish I had not spent so much on it, but I ultimately feel it was a smart choice for me. My question is, how do you feel about expensive office chairs slash gaming chairs? Do you think they are worth the price or are they overrated? Thanks so much for the content you make. You make my long commutes so much more enjoyable. So thank you for your question there. It's an interesting one. I think that it's uh, an individual thing. I think if you decide, okay, this is a priority of mine and everything will be substantially better if I get this chair, then it may be a worthwhile purchase. But it depends on your priorities. I don't do the gaming chair sort of thing. And uh, personally, I can only speak for myself. I would save my money. I wouldn't buy one. How much do they go for? I found it. Fantasy Lab chair. What do they... They have a lot to choose from, it looks like. Big and tall gaming chair. Uh, let's see. Let's go with this one. What do, they, what do they go for? Okay. About 240. It's actually not as bad as I thought. 
Actually, the price for these chairs isn't, um, not necessarily as steep as I, as I figured, which is a good thing. Most furniture, you know, it comes at a price. That's the thing. <laughs> what on earth is this? This thing looks like that. <laughs> I'll say it anyway. Looks like that, uh... What even is this? Looks like that submersible. <laughs> so I looked up a gaming chair, right? I was going through these things that were... being sold, and it seems like the general price for the gaming chair... Granted, you know, it's hierarchical. It's between, like, one and, uh, three hundred dollars. So, I'm going down, and then, all of a sudden, there's this thing that comes up that's $12,600. I'm looking, and the thing at first, it looks like a tent. But then, it's like, you know, it's rounded, and it just has this little, tiny porthole-looking tiny little, like, window on one end, and it has these little tracks almost on the bottom, and I'm thinking, this looks like that's submersible, you know? I can't, I don't know what to call it otherwise. It looks like the same size and shape, but the thing is twelve to fifteen thousand dollars. This is, this is not a gaming chair. Why did it even come up then? Hyperbaric vertical chamber. Why did that even come up as a gaming chair? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that kind of makes sense why it has a similar design to sort of that submersible. So it's a hyperbaric chamber. Well, I guess it's good to know that I could buy that and, uh, I guess I could crawl inside that thing and do the the VORW shows inside of that. If I had, if I won the lottery. Well, that was odd. Guess that's what happens with search results sometimes. Anyway, I got off topic. So, uh, you know, gaming chairs and office chairs and all of that, it really comes down to one's... Uh, one's priorities. There's nothing wrong with one. I think it's important uh, to be comfortable. You just have to find uh, the right one, right? Preferably, really look at the reviews, and if you have an opportunity to actually test something, uh, that would be that, or, uh, you know, word-of-mouth recommendations. But again, it's important to be comfortable. As for me, maybe I shouldn't have done this, but there were times where... Uh, my chair was uh, a folding chair, like a metal folding chair, and uh, that's all that I'd use. And uh, I'm not even talking that long ago. And, you know, I would sit on that for hours and hours. Uh, would it be uncomfortable? Yeah, but I would do it. And, uh, I don't know, I was just of the... It was like, yeah, well, it works, you know? It's like, it's good enough for me, but 
I've since upgraded, but I don't use even a swivel chair. I just have a regular chair, but it's comfortable. It's nice. So that's all I need. I'm really not a fan of like office chairs. I like the ones that just have four legs. And, uh, you know, I don't really, I'm not one to roll around and stuff. It's like, I'll just get up and, you know, walk about, etc. So again, it depends on one's preference and priorities. And, uh, I have no objection. I understand. It's important to be comfortable. It's an individual thing, but it sounds like I think you made a good purchase. And uh, I just hope that it lasts, you know, for a sufficient period of time, and it remains to your liking. So thanks for your question there. This video I've gotten sent, you don't know how many times, so many, the big iron one, I've gotten that sent hundreds of times at this point. So Garrett in uh, Lynchburg, Tennessee sent the uh, big iron, the AI cover that they did. And uh, you've been seeing these more and more where, uh, you know, various programs will take a voice sample from an individual and uh, will plug it into an AI and it, you know, it doesn't get everything right, but the more it has to go off of, then the more likely that it'll be at least somewhat accurate. And uh, they'll get, you know, various, uh, you know, figures to uh, sing or say things that they wouldn't otherwise. For instance, they've had, like, you see this stuff. So, for instance, this one was Review Bra Sings Big Iron by Marty Robbins. Then you've got other ones. Hank Hill, Big Iron, AI cover. Careless Whisper, Frank Sinatra, AI cover. Joe Biden sings Johnny Cash, Hurt. Homer Simpson sings Big Iron by Marty Robbins. Frank Sinatra sings Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> SpongeBob characters sing Highwayman by the Highwaymen, and, uh, you know, it goes on and on. Johnny Cash sings Barbie Girl. <laughs> I was waiting for this. I thought, when do they, is there going to be one where they, try, where they try to get Hitler to sing it? And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Adolf Hitler sings Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. I knew that was coming. And uh, so on and so forth. So that's been a thing lately, you know, a bit of a trend. And uh, I'm sure it makes for some amusing, uh, entertaining videos. So that established, you asked the question. This makes me question just how advanced AIs are becoming and how fast they are able to adapt to these situations. Do you think there will come a day where AIs can perform advanced roles like college professors, military consultants, or CEOs of companies. If an AI can become so advanced as to perfectly recreate a song using someone else's voice and take into consideration whether the pitch is higher or lower, I believe it is on the way to performing at a high level enough for these said positions. So thank you, Garrett in Lynchburg, Tennessee. It all depends. You know, my view of AI at this point still is that it has yet to gain sentience, right? So by that, I mean it's simply 
uh, an algorithm of sorts where it is uh, being provided certain variables and certain uh, information and it then is uh, reacting therefrom. If it's provided with enough variables and enough input, right, then the output could get more sophisticated. But I don't believe it is capable yet of making original decisions uh, free from said input. You know, it's just essentially uh, still just making basic decisions uh, from the information provided. So could it uh, per se perform some of these tasks? I believe it could, but I don't believe it's necessarily making original decisions. It's just going off of an encyclopedic knowledge and uh, in a sense is making calculations off of that. So the output would reflect the input. In many cases, may that be good enough? Perhaps. But I still believe it could only do so much. And I just don't think AI is at the point yet uh, where it is something that it is totally sentient in nature. Uh, it's just reacting off of the stimuli provided, perhaps quite intricately, uh, in a way that people may think that it is, you know, self-aware and uh, is uh, capable of thought, etc., but I don't believe it is. That doesn't mean that it isn't a troubling thing, as I feel that it is. And I feel that uh, a lot of people are getting utterly screwed over by it, and uh, that's only going to increase... And uh, a lot of people are going to get crushed by it, and there's nothing that can be done. That's the future. We uh, did this to ourselves, and now we have to reap what we have sown. And, uh, you know, so when a lot of people, if it continues to expand, and uh, I could see it getting to a point where even if it winds up being subpar, it'll be determined, okay, it's cheaper to have this, so... You're out of a job now, and the AI is going to take your job. Uh, we can't say that we didn't see this coming. And uh, a lot of people will be utterly screwed over by it. But we've done this to ourselves. We caused this problem. And if it eats us alive, look, we willed this upon us. We didn't have to do this. We did. We did it. We did it. And... Uh, uh, we will suffer the consequences. As I've said in previous programs, this is a technology we aren't deserving of. We aren't even deserving of the internet, in my opinion, but we have it. There's nothing we can do about that. This is, you know, life and the nature of, uh, of things, right where they stand. But uh, now our own creation may uh, very well destroy us. And uh, that's the uncomfortable reality that we just have to accept, and uh, we have to deal with it. It's unfortunate, but that's just my view. So, enjoy the entertainment. I'd say make the most of it, but uh, I think I think we've really we've really done it this time. That's just my opinion. I don't think that it's advanced to the point where it's going to be like the Terminator, and it's all gonna. Uh, rebelled against us in that way. It's just, we're going to be the ones doing it ourselves. It's like, 
It's like if we have a room full of clueless people who have never even understood this concept before, and they conceive a firearm, and they create it, and they load it with bullets, and they are aware, okay, this will shoot a projectile at a high speed, uh, which will either, if hit, be fatal or uh, extremely damaging to us, but they think, oh, look at that, though, it makes such a loud noise, and uh, it's cool to blow things up with it. And uh, then, you know, they're just messing around with it, and they all wind up killing each other with it. It's like, well, they understood what it could do. But those are just my thoughts. Thank you for your question. Eric in Silver Spring, Maryland. Long-time listener, first-time writer, hope you are well. Recently, I came across a YouTube video that shows people who are able to do unique things with their hands and or feet in terms of dexterity, uh, particularly if they are trying to compensate for the decrease in their ability uh, to use some of their extremities. My question is, have you any particular talents involving your hands or feet uh, that you consider in terms of dexterity to be unique. Thank you for your time, and appreciate your consideration. So thank you, Eric in Silver Spring, Maryland. Interesting question. I wouldn't call it unique, um, because many other people can do this too, but I, I can say that as far as my hands are concerned, uh, I do know that as far as the, uh, let's say, maneuverability you know, as far as bending my fingers, uh, it can be somewhat uh, higher in terms of the range upon which it can be done than some. As far as my feet are concerned, uh, I do have the ability with my toes uh, to be able to pick things up. But, you know, as far as being able to, let's say, pick up a pen and then write my name with it. I can't do that. I could just perhaps pick up the pen, but that's about it. Um, I couldn't say with practice could the outcome be different. I, I really don't know. I've never practiced enough to say one way or another. But uh, as far as my feet are concerned, again, with my toes, I can pick things up with them, but I wouldn't necessarily call that ability unique. It's just something that I know I, I can do. So thank you there for your question. All right, this listener uh, has two questions. One, on a scale of one to ten, how annoying is it to have to come up with algorithm-friendly video titles? I'd imagine it's a grit my teeth and just type it out sort of thing. Uh, so first, let's see. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I mean, it's not... It's annoying, but I've gotten used to it. I have essentially a bit of a process that uh, makes it all easy, you know, and just doable on my end. So it's, you know, it could be worse, I'll tell you that. So as far as uh, coming up with the video titles, out of 10, as far as annoying-wise goes, I'd say it's a... You know, does it bother me? Yeah but it's certainly not the worst thing in the world. I'd say it's like a... With 10 out of 10 being the most annoying, I would say it's like a 4 out of 10. It used to bother me more, but once I've gotten so used to it, it's like, okay, I could deal with it. The most annoying thing, to be honest, uh, 
are uh, dealing with some of the folks that just that don't understand that it's the it's the nature of things that it has to be done because it's like I mean I understand it I mean I know where they're coming from uh, I used to be that way myself where it was like you know sure the algorithm stuff the uh, exaggerative titles etc yeah it gets tiresome and I get it I don't like the clickbait stuff either but when this is the reason why you've got a roof over your head uh, you'd be a fool not to play the game at least to an extent you know you, you, you just have to sometimes and uh, I try not to go overboard but if for instance I have people in the comments that'll occasionally say why can't you just go back to the types of titles that you used to do back in 2011, for instance, where it was just every video I did was titled Energy Crisis, Energy Drink Review. And that was it. And I get that, but no one would watch the videos. If every single review that I did was just titled Running on Empty, Food Review, and there was nothing else, this would be a dead channel. And you get these people that try to tell me that as if this is some sort of brilliant idea and then try to guilt trip me for not uh, doing that. But uh, it's like I try to explain it to them and then they just get very vulgar and hostile. That's the most annoying thing. They just don't get it. But uh, it's like, yeah, if I, if, if I didn't have to do the algorithm-friendly stuff, I wouldn't. But it is what it is. You know, I have to. It, like I said... You'd be stupid not to. So, I still try to, you know, balance things out. It's like, I'll give a couple examples, and I'm recording this in mid-August 2023. So, of the four most recent videos that I did, <clears throat> all four of them uh, have performed nicely, with each of them getting over 200,000 views. Uh, which is which is good. Uh, I'm very happy with that. The channel's been doing uh, very nice. Almost all of them are even getting close to 300,000 views apiece, which again is great to see. So, if an item is popular enough by itself that it does not need a fancy algorithm-friendly title, I am not going to give it a fancy algorithm-friendly title. So, for instance, Taco Bell's Grilled Cheese Dipping Taco and McDonald's As Featured in Meal, I knew that these two items would easily be able to hold their own. So, I knew there's no reason to have to give it some silly title. It'll be fine as it is, so that's what I did. Taco Bell's new Grilled Cheese Dipping Taco Review McDonald's new as featured in Meal Review. And sure enough, the recognizability, combined with decent thumbnails, uh, allowed the videos to do just fine without any of that. But then there are two other things. Those wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. I will tell you this. People don't care about Buffalo Wild Wings. They really don't. So, how can you take 
something that no one gives a damn about, and make it so that people care about it. Well, it's simple. You generalize the title. If I said in the review for those wings, anything about Buffalo Wild Wings in the title, no one would care. And that video would not have gotten the 200 something thousand views that it did. So again, you generalize it. You don't appeal to the minuscule percentage of people that care about Buffalo Wild Wings. Instead, you appeal to anyone who's interested in wings. So I said, forget Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, that's what I'm reviewing, but make no reference to it in the title or thumbnail. And I uh, just say, are these the hottest wings I've had? Well, that's a good question. And they were the second hottest wings I've had, but there's truth to it. They were very, very spicy wings. That's able to generalize, again, the subject matter and make it appeal to a larger uh, number of individuals which then in turn allowed the video to perform better in the algorithm. That was necessary, it had to be done, otherwise the video would not perform as it did. Mark my words. And uh, then the Burger King item. So, that's another thing. It's hard to make people excited for some piece of garbage that looks like it came either out of a middle school cafeteria, a hospital, or uh, maybe a minimum security <laughs> prison, and just this institutionalized garbage food, and uh, suddenly make people care about that. But when I tried the item out, and it was an item with a reputation for being bad, and then during the review I realized, God, this is, this is awful still. After all these years, the thing is still terrible. Then I thought, okay, now I'm getting somewhere with this, and I can make my bad experience a bit worthwhile. And uh, when I make these sorts of claims in the title, again, there's, there's legitimacy behind it. The worst Burger King item I've ever had. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right that it is. The thing is this total slop, vile garbage, Time after time, year after year, it, it, it changes, and it doesn't get any better. It just is equally worse in a different way. Yes, that is the worst Burger King item I've ever had. Easily. So, when I throw in those titles, there's always truth to them. I'm not going to sit there and just make some garbage up and, uh, you know, go that route. I, I try to be above that. So... You know, I'll just try to play around with the words, and, uh, I guess just <laughs> doing this for as many years as I have, I just kind of become familiar with the system a little bit, and what works, and what I'm able to do, and, uh, I just try to use that to, uh, help the channel as much as I can. So, that's, uh, the first question. Second question, how do you feel about the big iron cover using AI uh, of your voice? Personally, I think it's one of the best I've ever heard, so thanks for your question. Uh, I, you know, I listened to it, and, uh, I was surprised that it was able to, uh, mirror my voice, you know, to the extent that it was able to, but, uh, that's really all that there is to it. It's like, some people, I think, have, were probably hoping for more, as far as my reaction goes, but 
I don't know, that stuff just doesn't really appeal to me. It's like, yeah, yeah it's cool. All right, on to the next. And, uh, and that's that. It's like, I know some people have wanted me to play this AI stuff on the radio show, and I'm just not going to do that. Um, because to me, I don't know, it just feels wrong. And, um, well, number one, I think you all know that I'm not the biggest proponent of AI. And number two, uh, it feels, it would feel extremely narcissistic to sit there and play a fake song with a program made to sound like my voice on my own radio show. That's not, it doesn't feel right to me, and it's not something I'm comfortable with, and uh, it's not something I want to do. That's not to say that, oh, don't ever make an AI cover with my, look, play around, I don't care what what people do, Uh, they're going to do it anyway, whether I like it or not. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting technology, but it's like, you know, listen, it's like, oh, oh, that's cool. And uh, again, then I'll go listen to something else. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't like hearing my own voice, so why why would I want to listen to something that sounds like me singing a song when I don't like listening to myself anyway, you know, so that's another reason why I'm just not the biggest fan of it, just because I'm not, I don't like hearing myself. <laughs> it's simple as that. Thanks for your questions. Benjamin, three questions. One, are you going to continue the Scary Stories episode this October? That was always my favorite show. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I wasn't planning to, but uh, we will see. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to write it off. I'd actually have forgotten about it, admittedly. So, never say never. You never know. I don't get a lot of requests for it, but again, who knows? Question two. I understand you don't pay attention to sports, but... Would you say you have a state college that you cheer for? No, that's just not something that I uh, I follow very much. I know college sports and all that can be very popular, but I don't really pay much attention to that, or really any sports. Uh, good question, though. Question three. Uh, where could I tune into your radio show if it wasn't through shortwave? I'll send you some links. You could listen in on TuneIn. All you have to do is uh, type in on TuneIn, WWCR3. Uh, Click on that link, you'll get the stream that uh, my show will be heard on. And then just listen to that stream every Saturday morning at 2 a.m. Eastern. Or every Monday morning at midnight Eastern. And you're good to go. Or you can listen on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the report of the week. You could listen to hundreds of episodes on demand, crystal clear quality, anytime you want. And uh, the only thing with that is that they are behind a paywall. But the reason for that is I have to pay for every second of airtime uh, that my show gets. I have to pay it. I have to pay to even do it. So the airtime isn't cheap. It adds up. It's expensive. The only reason I'm able to do it is thanks to the support from listeners. So it's just a way to help fund the show and uh, pay the airtime bills every single month while also offering something in return. So it's like if someone wants to help support the show, you know, they could pay 10 bucks. And uh, this is kind of 
uh, you know, I don't want to call it a gift, but it, at least it's something in return uh, for your support. You know, you're, you're helping keep the show going, directly responsible for new broadcasts, and then you could also listen to the thousands of shows that I've done whenever you want, anytime you want. So that's patreon.com slash the report of the week. Again, supports the show, and it's just a little something back in return for it. Oh, this one was nice. Michael in Ohio. Quick note to tell you how much I enjoyed your review of the Buffalo Wild Wings. Blazing knockout wings. I found your reaction to the high heat extremely entertaining. It was nice to watch a more adventurous review as a change of pace. So thanks, Michael in Ohio. And uh, I appreciate your kind words. I'm glad you liked the review. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to write that to me. Thank you. John in Boise, Idaho. One, how do you keep track of new fast food releases for your running on empty food reviews? Do you periodically check the establishment's websites for new items? Were you notified uh, in some way of new releases? It seems like it would be a bit of a hassle to continually monitor the menus of all the fast food joints, so I'm curious how you stay on top of it. It's a good question. So, the way I usually do it is, uh, and it might seem odd at first, but then when you realize how many people uh, eat, you know, fast food and how big these companies are, then it makes sense. There are sites out there uh, that actually compile all the new releases, and uh, they're like news sites, but just for the fast food places. And the two that I usually frequent are chewboom.com, that's C-H-E-W-B-O-O-M, chewboom.com, you go to the home page, and it's just, on a daily basis, it's updated, free Doritos Locos Tacos at Taco Bell, Starbucks releases new summer remix menu, KFC offers 10 pieces of KFC nuggets for $5 alongside the blah blah box. Blah 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 Wendy's, blah 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 IHOP, you know, etc, etc. And uh, I'll peruse through that, and I'll see if something catches my interest, and, uh, you know, looks like it would make for a good review. And then I also check a site called brandeating.com, that's B-R-A-N-D-E-A-T-I-N-G dot com. And I'll just peruse through it and I'll see what's uh, what's being pitched these days and see if it, again, would make for a good, a good uh, review. Sometimes I'll see these items and it'll be quite entertaining and I'll think to myself, you know, what on earth is this garbage, essentially? I'll think to myself, and then other times I'll think, yeah, this I think this will be good. It's like, so right here, Burger King set to debut new honey mustard BK Royal Crispy Chicken Sandwich. So I'm going to be reviewing that at some point, you know, and that's, this is how I found out about it. I'll be trying out this chicken sandwich from Burger King in due time. And... What else do we have? A lot of the time they'll, they'll focus also on international stuff. So it's like they tested this in uh, 
Canada. It's like, all right, that's fine and dandy, but I can't try that. Question two. Do you wear a suit daily, even when you're not filming a video or leaving the house? Do you ever hang out in jeans, shorts, or sweatpants? Or are you most comfortable in formal attire? I'm always impressed by your dedication in presenting yourself in such a suave and fashionable manner. Thank you, John, in Boise, Idaho. This is how I always dress. This is uh, this is what I wear, even when the camera is off. I have a lot of suits and a lot of ties and dress shirts and uh, all of that. But yes, I, I dress this way even when the camera is off, even if I don't leave the house and I'm not doing a review. This is still what I wear. This is all my clothing. As a matter of fact, I don't have, aside from sleepwear, I don't have casual clothing, you know, so that's, I mean, even then, it's like when I go to sleep, I'm still wearing a white t-shirt and a black pants and socks, always, you know, I don't even wear shorts or anything, even go to sleep, I'm still wearing pants, uh, even just when I go to sleep, because that's, that's what I'm comfortable with, and yeah, they, they are wide leg pants, still. And, uh, you know, that's, that's as casual as it gets. That's when I'm going to sleep. But otherwise, yeah, I wear the suits and the white shirts, ties, you name it. Uh, you might say, well, what if you're going to do yard work or something, you know, some sort of strenuous activity? Uh, in that case, I have a couple dress shirts that... You know, we're getting a little worse for the wear. So those are ones that I'm not afraid to really get dirty or anything. So I'll put one of those on. I have uh, khaki pants. And by those, I'm not talking about like the, the slim fit, you know, casual khaki stuff. I'm saying like something that you would wear to uh, the office or something like that. And I'll put those on. I think most of them are just like, you know, vintage Brooks Brothers and stuff, and uh, a couple of them I got from Kohl's and stuff like that years ago. And uh, I have a couple pairs of, you know, dress pants as well that uh, could easily take a bit of a beating, so to speak. And, you know, tuck the shirt in and sometimes put on a tie, maybe tuck the tie in, and uh, get to work. But that's my most ca- that's what I'll wear when I'm let's say, after Hurricane Ian, and I was picking up debris and all of that, that's what I was wearing to do that. You know, I was wearing dress pants and a dress shirt. Stephen is checking in. To share some thoughts about the decline of fast food, I think it got much worse during COVID when all of the restaurants were running drive-through only. When you are selling through a window, there's a lot less accountability for the quality of the product or the accuracy of the order. People may not even realize something is wrong until they get home, and then they may not feel up to driving back. This goes doubly for Uber Eats and other delivery apps. When they aren't even handling it, or handing it directly to the consumer, 
This structure incentivizes employees to cut corners since there are few consequences for mistakes or poor food handling. You also mentioned, and I don't think you're going to like this answer, have you ever watched the Gentleman's Gazette YouTube channel? You say, I've been watching it for years, and I've often thought about how their content overlaps with your interest in suits. They do a good job of discussing the history of menswear and giving advice on how to incorporate classic style into a contemporary wardrobe. So, thank you, Stephen. So, I'll preface this by saying they do their thing, Gentleman's Gazette, and uh, they certainly, uh, you know, they're very well-versed in all the fashion rules and this, that, and the other thing, and uh, they certainly know their stuff. I do not like them. Uh, I really don't. Uh, but admittedly, it's for two reasons. Number one, the first reason is not personal. It just goes for any sort of... This might sound strange, and this is something that's changed with me in time, but even though I dress how I dress, and I don't know if this will make any sense, and it might sound very... Uh, perhaps perplexingly counterintuitive that despite my interest in suits and the fact that I wear one every day, I don't focus on menswear. Now, by that I mean I am not a fan at all of the whole very rigid attitude that comes with a lot of... uh, folks that wear suits, you know, often, and, uh, oh, the jacket has to be this many inches down, and this many inches for a lapel for this, and you can't wear this color past that, you could only wear this with that, and wear this coat with that, and blah, 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 you could only wear this hat with this color suit after this date, and your jacket length mustn't exceed, uh, so-and-so inches below the belt line, etc., etc., I couldn't care less about any of that stuff. And uh, I think that a lot of the people that are just all in about those rules uh, come off to me as very uh, very stuck up, I'm trying to say, and uh, have this holier-than-thou attitude. And it's like, you know, I don't care. If if you want to abide by all that, that's fine. But then they... uh, Oftentimes, the attitude comes along with it, which is what I don't like, that, oh, if you don't, then you're lesser than me, and uh, they're just some of the most nitpicking folks I've ever seen in my life. Me? Yes, I wear the suits, but it's just clothing. That's it. I like the way it looks. It's my clothing. I'm not here to uh, adhere to some, uh, some rule about the vest buttons, because some guy, you know, 150 years ago wore it this way, so now everyone else has to. I wear the clothing that I like to wear the way that I like to wear it. And uh, that's all that there is to it. And to me, this is the other thing. And this is what a lot of people miss, and that's fine, because it's, it's, it's an anomaly. That's what I am, I'm trying to say. I do not wear the suits to look good, quote-unquote, 
for any circumstance. I wear it because it's what I like to wear. It's what I'm comfortable wearing. And it's what I prefer wearing. That's it. I do not put these suits on to go strut around uh, like some peacock and uh, show off. Most of the time, I never even leave the house. I just like the way it looks. I like the way it fits. And that's all that there is to it. Now, many other folks who still wear suits, their priorities are totally different, which is understandable, and that doesn't bother me any. So of course they're going to have a very different approach to it. You know, they're going to be concerned a lot about the fit, trying to make sure it's up to whatever current trends and standards that there are. They'll be interested in all the rules, arcane or otherwise, and uh, try to follow them to a T, etc., etc. And uh, I get that, you know, because their priorities are different than mine. Uh, but when I just wear it just as clothing, you know, I put on a suit just like how someone else would put on jeans and a t-shirt, exactly that. It's like, because I know when most people who don't often wear suits, you know, are going to put on a suit, it's sort of like, it's like an occasion almost. Even just getting dressed, you know, it's like a whole extra process. You might feel a little different, you know, you really want to make sure it looks good, etc. But think about how you feel when you're just putting on your most casual attire uh, each day, and you put no thought into it whatsoever, right? You're just slipping on a t-shirt, some jeans, some shorts, whatever it might be, and uh, that's it. When you think about it like that, that's how it is for me when I'm putting on a suit. Um, when I walk into the closet, I, I haven't even any idea what I'm going to go with today. I just go in, grab a white shirt, and... Uh, then I look at the suits, and I just make a split-second decision. All right, I'm going to go with, uh, how about this blue suit today? Uh, you know, whatever suit I go with, I grab the suit. I grab a black vest, because I always wear a, a three-piece suit these days, because uh, I just, again, like the way it looks. And uh, I like being extra covered up in my torso. And I grab a vest. Then I'll grab a tie that is uh, of a color or pattern that I like put it on, and uh, go about my day. So, you know, that's the first thing that just doesn't appeal to me, because it's like I've just no interest when all the subjects are uh, things that, you know, I, I, I just don't have any interest in. And I'm just not one to really follow these sorts of guides, you know? I just do my own thing, and, uh, and that's it. Now, that's the first reason, and that goes for any sort of menswear channel. There isn't a single menswear uh, channel that I watch, nor at this point is there a single sort of menswear, formal wear, forum, or any of that that I lurk or participate in. I just do my own thing uh, the way I do it, and that's it. So, the second reason is more personal. Um, it has to do with the fact that they specifically used me as an example as how not to dress. So, 
when they're specifically doing that and you know they're taking shots at me and it's you know because i'm not wearing their uh very particular bespoke suits then they feel that's a reason you know why to say oh see this guy doesn't know what he's what he's doing and he doesn't know what he's talking about and you don't want to look like this it's like all right if from their attitude i mean i could obviously uh, see why they might say that but at the same time i'm not looking uh, to try to be any sort of uh, style icon or anything it's like i wear what i wear and uh and that's it i'm not telling other people to dress this way so of course when they go out and start taking uh, shots at me. Yes, I'm not going to hold them in very high regard uh, at all. So that's just a personal little grudge against them. It's like, yeah, you know, it is what it is, but I just suddenly can't be gung-ho about them. Made me lose actually a bit of respect for them before I knew that. But, uh, you know, so that's personal why I don't like them. And then secondly, uh, it just, there's no appeal at all. But, uh, you know, hey, if you like them, you like them. They've got one and a half million subscribers. And uh, these are folks. I mean, they, look, they obviously know what they're doing. And I think it's a good channel for certain folks. And uh, for those who are really interested in these sorts of guides and, you know, very by the book as far as this stuff is concerned and all of that, yeah. I think this is a good channel for those types of individuals, but me personally, I've explained why I just uh, I don't like them uh, much at all. So I got two emails about this. One was from Dan. The other one was from Nick and Jeanette, who collectively sent the second one, and uh, I'll essentially just combine the two, because they deal with the exact same issue. And, uh, they sent me an article. I'll read this one. It's from Reuters News Agency. So I'll read the article verbatim, and then offer a few thoughts. Frank Siragusa, probably got the name wrong, was not happy that the Mexican pizza he paid five forty nine for at a Taco Bell in New York City last September appeared to contain only half as much beef and bean filling as the photos in the chain's advertising portrayed. So he sued. In a proposed class action filed on Monday in Brooklyn Federal Court, Siragusa accused Taco Bell of deceiving customers by falsely advertising its Mexican pizza, veggie Mexican pizza, Crunchwrap Supreme, Grande Crunchwrap, and vegan Crunchwrap as containing at least double their actual content. Siragusa of Ridgewood, New York, included photos showing food bursting with beef, cheese, and bright red and green vegetables juxtaposed with actual photos of smaller, less vibrant food that other customers posted online. Taco Bell ads are unfair and financially damaging to customers, and especially concerning now that inflation, food, and meat prices are very high, and many consumers, especially lower-income consumers, are struggling financially, the complaint said. 
The lawsuit seeks at least five million for Taco Bell customers who bought the five items in New York State in the last three years. Taco Bell did not immediately respond to requests for comments. So that was very early August lawsuit there. Pretty much, I think, putting into court what I think a lot of people are all thinking when it comes down, you know, to these fast food places. What do they say? The the wheels of justice grind slowly. So I doubt there will be much, but let's see. Taco Bell lawsuit. Let's see if it... If there's any update. I doubt it, but... No, just from two weeks ago. So you know what the funny thing is about the lawsuit? If you look up Taco Bell lawsuit, and uh, you'll see, obviously featured in the media, right, the before, well not really the before and after, but like the expectations versus reality pictures. I was looking through them, you know, it's, it's obviously, I think it's the real deal. I mean, you, you see it, you know, if you ever go to Taco Bell, I mean, you, you, you get what you get. You obviously see this stuff. But I was looking through it, you know, because this stuff obviously got sent my way. And uh, obviously it's something that I've brought up in my reviews before. I was looking through the pictures that were included in the lawsuit as exhibits. I thought to myself, wait a minute, this looks awfully familiar. You know, I looked at the, saw one of the crunch wraps being held up and I thought, God, those, those curtains in the background look awfully familiar. Thought to myself, is that, is that what I think it is? So, sure enough, one of the uh, exhibits used in the lawsuit is a screenshot from one of my reviews. And uh, I looked just to be sure, and uh, yeah, one of, uh, one of the exhibits in that lawsuit is, is a uh, still from one of, my, <laughs> one of my reviews. Which is cr- quite funny, actually. As a matter of fact, you... Uh, if you actually open up the lawsuit, it's 15 pages long, class action, and on page two, exhibit two in the lawsuit is uh, a still from my review. Right there on the second page, and uh, they actually linked it in the in the lawsuit, which is funny. It says, uh, the advertisement for the Grande Crunchwrap Supreme can be located in the Gabe the Taco Bell website, and the screenshot of the actual Crunchwrap Supreme received by a customer can be located at, and they included a link and timestamp to my review. And sure enough, I click the link, which is in the lawsuit, and uh, it goes right to uh, my June 26th, 2021 review, what did Taco Bell do now? So I couldn't help but kind of laugh seeing a, an actual still image from my review on uh, all these news 
agencies. I think it was on Fox News and uh, ABC and CBS and CNN and all of that. And I, I just find that I can't help but find that personally funny. That's all. We'll see how the uh, the lawsuit goes. You know, it's like obviously there's a lot of dishonesty uh, these days as far as you know businesses, everything. It's there's so much deceit in this world. It's filled to the brim with it, and uh, greed and selfishness are rampant. The quality of everything is getting worse uh, very quickly, frighteningly quickly. But yeah, I don't know. I I wish I wish them well. I think the complaints are legitimate, but. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know whose side. You know, we'll see how it plays out. They say justice is blind, but... I'm not expecting this lawsuit to really go anywhere or, uh, you know, be the one that suddenly results in massive change that makes everything better. Of course, I'd love to see that, but I, I just don't... I would be, I think I was in an alternate reality or something if that actually happened, but yeah, that was, that was funny to see. So thank you to everyone that sent that my way. Ethan writes, I absolutely love the sense of style presented in your videos. I was curious how much of your clothing is off the rack versus tailoring. Thank you for your time. So thank you, Ethan, for your question. All of it. Pretty much all of it is off the rack. Uh, generally, I'll try on the clothing and uh, see how it fits, but... Uh, I will make adjustments occasionally, but uh, for the most part, uh, I'll get something off the rack that fits, and uh, I'm perfectly fine with that. Daniel in Manchester, England writes, and... Uh, I'll just say this right off the bat, I still need to check this out, so uh, I don't really have a response for this, but uh, I do want to read your thoughts nonetheless, but I, I have no comment, uh, because it's something that I haven't checked out. But you mentioned uh, some uh, TikTok trend of Americans finding out the type of Chinese food us British people consume. While American definition of Chinese food is more authentically Chinese, noodles, rice, etc., English Chinese food is a unique fusion of Chinese and British cuisine, commonly combining the Oriental Chinese food with British chip shop. Some of the best dishes I would recommend would be salt and pepper chicken, salt and pepper chips, crispy shredded beef, all topped with curry sauce, and the sauce is what usually baffles Americans. Keep up the good work. So thank you, Daniel in Manchester, England. <laughs> I could see the sauce definitely throwing off some folks, and uh, thank you for mentioning that. An anonymous listener writes, I was wondering if you've heard about the street food trend known as walking tacos. When looking them up in your favorite search engine, you will often find pictures of taco ingredients, beef, beans, cheese, tomato, lettuce, and fritos, or nachos, tossed up in a bag, but still somehow looking presentable. However, a relative of mine recently had an experience with walking tacos at a street vendor, 
and said it was one of the most disgusting foods he had ever been sold on the street. He aptly described it as a bag o' barf. The ground meat, cheese, lettuce, and tomatoes were all shaken up in a clear plastic bag, and it wasn't even remotely presentable. Yet people were eating it and loving it. He was so appalled that people would, re- would willingly eat what looked so revolting. It reminded me a lot of your Papa Bowles reviews. Uh, I've heard of those, never had one. I haven't any intention to, quite frankly. Uh, the appearance... I mean, I guess some people would uh, be fine with it, but to me, uh, I certainly... I'm not a fan of the appearance either. And uh, it's of no... I have no desire to try it out. I recall distinctly a video uh, from a number of years ago. It might have been... Might have been during that weird time in early 2020 when uh, everything was just bizarre. That strange... COVID-era transitory period. Anyway, the video in question featured celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay, who was at this racetrack, but the racetrack was actually uh, closed because of the, the COVID stuff. So he was outside, he had these tables set up on the racetrack, and uh, was filming this video I don't know what exactly he called them, but it would be what you described as being uh, the walking tacos, where he had, you know, the ingredients, and it was in the Doritos bag, and everything. And, uh, you know, he's he's trying to uh, prepare this with such, you know, finesse, and he's got all of his executive chef ingredients, and he's using his uh, typical flair and everything, and he's sprinkling a little of this, and he cuts the bag open with a with a fancy knife and everything. He's going all out, only for the finished product to look like literal excrement in a Doritos bag, and he's trying so hard to uh, pretend like this is actually good when it's obvious that it's disgusting. It looks disgusting, and uh, it certainly didn't taste any better, and I can't help but think how much he uh, had to have been paid to try to sit there and and do this video. And needless to say, (laughs) the reactions to it were uh, pretty much exactly that. People were saying this looks horrible, Uh, Gordon Ramsay is making prison food, this, that, and the other thing. But uh, as soon as I saw that, I thought, yeah, there's no way I would eat that. It just doesn't look good, and it's clear that he's not enjoying it either. And, you know, there might be instances, I'm sure, where, if done correctly, I guess it could be good, but I just... I I would rather just have a regular taco with a tortilla. I I don't want to eat it out of the bag. I I, I just don't want to... Heck, if someone wants that, that's fine. But, uh, it's just not for me. Michael in Ohio. Hope you're doing well. I came across an article claiming that young, that Yum Brands, the parent company of Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC, want to do an all-digital transaction format, 
customers would be forced to use their apps, websites, and kiosks to order food from their establishments. Call me old school, but I hate using fast food chain apps. Guess I'll have to get over that. A thought came to mind. In 20 years, do you think everything will be digital? Will paper cash be obsolete? Could happen if you ask me. Love your work, all the best. Michael in Ohio. Yeah, so the Wall Street Journal, the, the article reads, Yum Brands CFO has a plan for 100% digital transactions. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, you see that in the, in the news. And then, of course, uh, when, you, when you look it up, you have the fact checkers, right? The, the, the glorious, blessed, 100% truthful fact checkers that most certainly aren't agenda-driven in the least that said, oh, that's, uh, that's a lie. That's a conspiracy theory. It's false, they said. But then when you actually look, and this is how, this is what I hate about this stuff. And uh, I didn't see it this way at first, but eventually you do, and then you really see it. They play around with words, and then they could change things up a little bit in order to give the false rating, uh, even when it's not necessarily the case. So, you know, they said, fact check. Uh, Yama Brands to go digital only. And then the fact check says false. But then when you actually read it, and mind you, they're hoping people don't, and most people won't, so that's all that matters is what's in the bold, big letters. But when you actually read it, it says, the restaurants aren't cashless yet, but they have expressed aspirations to be 100% digital in the future. So you see how they play around with that. They make you think that that's just BS when really it's not. They're just manipulating the words in order to give it a certain uh, rate, you know, a certain rating as to true or false or whatever. Now, that's not to say that all the fact checkers are uh, are this way. There's there's so much BS out there that goes in all directions, but to act as if some someone who just calls themselves a fact checker is all of a sudden some impartial unbiased sentinel for the truth i just find that incredibly naive and uh, that's why as far as media is concerned you just have to have your guard up uh, for anything but anyway so the reason why you might say why did they even fact check this you know it seems like a pretty uh, innocent claim. Well, it's because, you know, there's been talk about uh, various agendas going forward as far as having a forced digital currency, and, uh, you know, you will have no say in that. You will have no control over any of that. You're going to be forced to adopt it, and uh, as a result, you know, some allege that by moving on to a digital currency, with no alternatives, that'll just be another way to control you more, and uh, you'll have no, you'll have no say over your, uh, over your life. It'll make you easy, even ev- even easier to monitor, and uh, an easier way to just control and, you know, control your finances, and thus control you. That's what some allege, you know. That's just what gets thrown out there. That's the way it is. Uh, I personally do not like 
the whole concept of just digital only this, that, or the other thing. And uh, I do not support uh, the idea of adopting uh, digital currencies primarily and uh, these sorts of cashless things. I can't help but, you know, regardless of intent, I don't like it either way. Uh, If they want to have that as an option, like it is right now, if you want to use your cash, you could use your cash. If you want to use your credit card, you can do that. And if you want to just pay with those sorts of things in person, uh, then you should be able to do that. If you want to deal with their app and download their spyware and this, that, and the other thing, and uh, go through all of that, that ability is there for you too. That's the way I see it. That's how I would like it to be. So then if someone is all in on that and wants to do the apps and the, the 100, you know, all the digital stuff, they can. Uh, but if someone wants to be a little bit more old school, if they don't want to have to deal with all of this stuff, now then they could just still use a traditional means of payment. You know, that makes sense to me. That's how I would like it. Selfishly, do I say that because uh, that's what works for me? Of course. But it would work for you, too, because even if you hate paying the old way, then you wouldn't have to. Then you could still do the digital stuff. That would be there for you. And it would also, for folks like me who uh, like to do things differently, uh, then that ability exists as well. I see no reason why that can't continue. Um, But evidently, a lot of these entities do. Believe me when I say it, though, and mark my words, there are workarounds. There always are. I have employed those already at this point. Just throwing that out there. The final letter of the program comes in from Ian. My name is Ian. I am currently 20 years old, and I have been an on-and-off listener of your podcast for the past few years now. I mostly listen on SoundCloud, and I wanted to thank you for what you do. I'm sure you're aware of the concept called the hedonistic treadmill, as you spoke of your views about social media and its addictive properties. Unfortunately for most of my life, I have found myself seeking constant pleasure between the crevices of YouTube and video games. The instant gratification that it provided numbed my senses and shoved down my emotions that needed to be felt down the deepest depths of my mind. And if I were to stop consuming, the full force of my troubled psyche would try to claw its way up out of the depths, wailing as it tried to reclaim its set at the forefront of consciousness where it rightfully should be. But alas, its screeching cries were unbearable to hear, and my only shelter from it was to force it back down with an endless amount of convenient, mind-numbing content, until all I heard from it were muffled screams. My life felt extremely meaningless during those times, because any time that I was faced with adversity, I would simply avoid it through social media. At some point, I have decided I wanted meaning in my life and stopped mindlessly consuming so I could face my emotions. 
The process was hell on earth. I had to go to therapy and do a lot of self-work, but in the end, it was all worth it. Now I can fully live life, not just with the good, but also with the bad aspects. I'm at peace. Life feels a lot slower when I am constantly... Life feels a lot slower now that I am not constantly consuming social media in a good way. I tuned into your podcast again after quitting and realized that you also live your life slowly, at least from what I notice. Everyone seems to live life on the fast lane nowadays, and I feel relieved to know that there is still people, such as yourself, that promote this idea of living slowly. You find joy in what the average person would consider mundane, and I admire that you are aware of dangers of social media and stay away from it. I notice that most of my description of you are merely assumptions of mine, so that brings me to the question, despite the ups and downs of life, are you at peace? Sincerely, Ian. So, Ian, thank you for writing, and, uh, if I may say, uh, what a letter to end the show on. I say that in a good way. Uh, I first, I really sincerely want to give you my congratulations. And that's not something to take lightly, in my opinion, because I know I see it all around me in the world. Just how potent social media is at this point in time, and just the, uh, really it is the addiction uh, that so many people unfortunately face when it comes down to social media today. And the fact that you were able to break free from that, well done. And I mean that. I can't imagine how difficult it probably was, because the social media, as you know, and the sorts of uh, dopamine rushes that it, it creates, it's, it's a hard thing to break free from. And part of me thinks that that's on purpose. That's by design. You know, they want it that way so that people don't break free from it. Uh, that's just that's just what makes sense to me, you know? Make it like a uh, an addictive drug of sorts. And you're going to start going through those withdrawals, essentially, and it's going to be hell on earth to the point uh, where 90% of people, or more, are uh, not going to be able to do it. they got to go back to it. Especially folks... Uh, who I sadly see, are uh, practically conditioned from birth. You know, you see, I saw this back in 2014, and I hated it, and I see it now, and I hate it even more. Uh, People giving smartphones to literal infants. And uh, there was such a, uh, uh, it was such a surreal, and not in a good way, either. It was a hellish video of a a compilation of all of these little toddlers and uh, some of them even newborn babies uh, laying there dreaming. And uh, you know how sometimes anyone could do this, but like you'll sometimes see also like little kids and stuff uh, when they're having particularly imaginative dreams, you know, they'll be moving their, their hands around and whatnot while they're sleeping. And uh, you're seeing more and more uh, these little infants 
that they have the one hand up, like they're holding a smartphone, and the other hand, like they're scrolling or, or tapping on it. And uh, that's what they're dreaming about. And I see that, and I think, for God's sake, how can any self-respecting parent see that and be all right with that? My God. You know, in video after video, too, of... Uh, and, uh, you know, good on them for at least trying, but seems in vain. You know, kids out with uh, the grandparents trying to, you know, take them to a little diner or a restaurant and have a, a family meal together or something. And uh, these young kids, you know, again, I'm talking five years old or younger, mind you, totally checked out. Uh, rapid fire, rapid fire on their smartphones. Couldn't care less about uh, anyone or anything around them, just what's on the phone. Obviously, the kids don't realize this, you know, they, they don't understand. It could, can't even explain it to them. But, uh, you know, if you took it away, they'd be pissed at you. They'd think you're awful for doing this to them. But the poor grandparents, I can't help but imagine that it must hurt quite a bit inside, you know, you're trying to trying to have a nice moment with your grandkids or whatever, and, uh, and this is how it is, and uh, it shouldn't be this way. I wish it weren't this way. And I truly believe the effects of this are going to be far-felt and uh, in a horrible way. It's my view. But just because it's difficult, you know, and again, especially the more that I think you've had to deal with this, the more difficult it is. Doesn't mean that it's impossible, though. And some people will disagree, you know. They want to do the social media thing. Look, it's, it's up to you. If this is what you want to do with your life, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Uh, but I will voice my views personally that it's just not for me. And uh, I have respect for anyone who uh, successfully makes uh, that change. Am I at peace? That's a question I haven't asked myself, really, but uh, when asked directly, as you are, uh, I would say I am, yes. I would say I indeed am. And I say that because just of how I, I feel deep down inside. You know, I have my pessimistic tendencies, of course I do. They could be quite strong at times. And as far as life is concerned, I can't say, because it, it's an impossible feat to do this 100% of the time, and I think it's important to accept that. Uh, but I always try to appreciate the, the smaller things, you know, the, the little things. For instance, like today, you know, I took a, I took some time just to look outside, take in the day, you know? Something a lot of people don't even bother to do anymore, but I look out the window, I'll sometimes see some really cool clouds, or I'll marvel at some of the wildlife I will see, which is surprisingly varied even here, or I'll just take it all in, get some fresh air. Me, personally... Quite ironically, perhaps, despite 
what it is that I do for a living. I cannot say that I do much of anything with social media. You know, with YouTube, I mostly listen to music on it, and I occasionally watch uh, various videos, but I don't really watch the, the, the social media sort of stuff. Uh, there aren't really any sorts of uh, personalities, I suppose, on YouTube that I watch. And uh, any other social media sites, you know, Twitter and Instagram, I use solely just to promote my videos and broadcasts, and that's it. I log in, make the post, and log out. And uh, TikTok, I, I don't even go on. So, uh, you know, I'm just not, even to this day, I'm not big into social media, despite what it is that I do. I'll listen to music, I'll listen to the radio, I'll do some light reading, I'll try to research various things and go down various rabbit holes and uh, all of that. But, you know, that's the way I want to uh, live my life, and I'm, I'm very happy that I am able to. So to answer your question, I would say yes, indeed. I am. Pessimism or not, I believe most definitely that I am. And, Ian, once again, I congratulate you, and I wish you the best. It's not, uh, not necessarily an easy thing. You know, it's not, not necessarily going to be, especially in the future, but... Hang in there, keep your head up, and most importantly, stay true to yourself. That's the most important thing. So thank you for your email. And that's it for tonight's show. Thank you for listening in, and until next time, be safe, be healthy, and I wish you all the very best. Take care, this is VORW.